Broads, the broadly entertaining podcast for all you femme broads, them broads, and dude broads out there. If you listen to us, then you're probably not very happy with a lot of the latest American, and for that matter, world news. That might also be an understatement. (laughs) If you've been drowning in the news cycle, doom scrolling, or staring blankly into the anxious void for indeterminate periods of time, then this episode is for you. We are aiming for fun, postponing the games, and leaning into the feminism. Thanks for letting us support you. Welcome, my name is Jonna, and I wanted to do some magic when I was a kid. Oh, I am Jamie, and when I was a kid, I supported abortion, and I didn't even know what it was. (laughs) It's the Broadly Entertaining Podcast. We are recording this episode on July 20th, later in the month than our usual schedule, initially thrown off by the, our Roe v. Wade decision and then a guest cancellation, and then I got COVID, and then Jamie went on a road trip to adopt a dog. So yeah, so there's been a lot on our plate, and it's been a mixed bag. Uh, meanwhile, we move forward with some wedding and game night gigs, all while leaning further into our mission to lead with our principles. While the Dobbs decision grabbed uh, most of the headlines and attention, the court had a busy end of session, making it easier to carry guns without restrictions harder to separate church and state. They made it easier for cops to arrest people without reading them their rights and harder for border patrol agents to be held accountable for atrocious behavior. Are we having fun yet, friends? Oh, so much, so much (laughs) fun. I know, I know. Don't even get me started on how they're probably going to make it easier for state legislatures to overturn federal election outcomes. But please do get me started on the damage they have just done to abortion access, reproductive justice, and the actual lives of living people with uteruses. Yes, yes. And let let us focus on that part, actually. It's been on a lot of our minds for weeks and months and years now for some of us. Anti-choice activists have been working at the state level for years, if not decades, to push push through measure after measure to make it difficult, if not impossible, for a large portion of the country to access abortion care. Um, Meanwhile, reproductive justice advocates have been fighting against those laws and finding ways to work around those barriers to help people access the care that they deserve. Back in May, my Be a Feminist segment was a shout out in support of regional abortion funds. Uh, We are going to revisit that topic today and encourage all of you out there to have difficult conversations with the anti-abortion people in your lives, be they friends, family, employers, if you can. Doctors, check Mm. in with your doctors. Mm. 
We'll share a bunch of resources in the show notes since we could probably go on for ages telling you what we think, but there are plenty of white ladies out there already doing that, and we are definitely not experts on a lot of what we want you to know. We're just pissed off, we're feminists, and we have a small platform, and so we're going to use it. Yes, praise be to abortion funds, and God bless the abortion providers. Uh, So I did mention this in May when Injustice Alito's draft opinion was leaked from the 13th century. You like that one? I like it, too. I do. Um, (laughs) um, And you can check out that uh, episode to hear my spiel. Um, You have probably also heard or seen a lot more about these groups if you yourself have been following the topic. These local and regional abortion funds, which you can find a full list of at the abortion fund at abortionfunds.org, have been working on the ground for years and many in states where it's already been difficult, if not impossible, for a lot of citizens to access the care that they want or need. Sadly, there are politicians that are already pushing to enact laws that will make funding abortions a punishable offense. But these groups are well poised to respond to and work around those barriers. These funds need funds now, not just to support pregnant people, but to pay their lawyers and to continue to be able to offer the very necessary support and community outreach that they excel in. Policy changes, policy changes, my friends. The American patriarchy has been working for decades to roll back not just reproductive rights, but voting rights, true freedom of religion, equality for the queer and trans communities. They've put in a lot of time and a lot of effort, and we are going to have to do the same. Roe was not overturned overnight, and while it may have been completed by five political appointees, It was aided and abetted by dozens of elected representatives and minority-led organizations, by which I mean minority of Americans. 100%, except actually a lot less than 100%, (laughs) because that's what a minority is. Um, And now it is time for more of us on this side of the fight to lean in Uh, if I may borrow that tired capitalist phrase, (laughs) lean in and make our voices heard. This includes voting. It definitely includes voting, but it does not start and end there. It includes calling and writing our representatives, volunteering with organizations that have been doing the work and laying the foundations for years, speaking out every day, even or especially when it's uncomfortable. So... We, of course, want you to say, stay safe, too. We want you to be rested and to take care of yourself uh, because this is the start of a new social era and it's going to take a depth of commitment beyond showing up for one march and making a post on social media. Yeah, like the I will help you go camping posts. <laughs> this is definitely <laughs> this is definitely one that has been on the ground or going around for for a little for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've actually heard I've heard and read some mixed responses to it. Um, I attended a webinar from the National Network of Abortion Funds and somebody made the point that if you can't call an abortion abortion, it seems like it's something to be ashamed of. And I read an essay that was talking about the irony or the disconnect between people using this very public 
platform to talk about how they're going to do something that in reality needs to be done with extreme discretion and secrecy if you want to do it safely and correctly. Um, and that also just wondering if people posting these memes are really going to see it through the way that that implies. Mm. So, which that's all very interesting. And that makes a lot of sense. It's important that we don't act too impulsively or with good intentions that we don't actually follow through on. <laughs> are you reading my star chart? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I will, okay. So I'm going to say something that I have learned that I found really interesting. I didn't actually get to attend the virtual event put on by Operation Save Abortion, courtesy of Abortion Front, but I was able to get access to the Google Drive folder that they gave everybody. Um, and we are also going to share that with you. Um, just a bunch of resources on all sorts of things on how to protest, to cool stickers and social media graphics. But something that I took away from it that I found super interesting was about when to schedule your protest, when to schedule your demonstration to make sure mm -hmm. that the uh, the media is there. And if you want to get their attention, you kind of have to play by their schedule and their rules. So early in the week, early in the day, for sure, which I found super interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't have mm -hmm. thought of that, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I love stickers. I actually <laughs> made some stickers in by my impulsive self that I will share <laughs> those image files for everyone to download and print. So you got options, you got sticker options. That's right. Yeah. And it's time right now for everyone to be a feminist. And I will kick it off with a little story time about Jana, me, and how I grew up. I grew up Catholic, and maybe some of you know that, and maybe some of you don't, but I grew up super Catholic, like really involved into the church. And I realized at a really young age that I wanted to be a leader in the church. I knew a lot about it. My mom schooled us in it. Like I was in every class. I was like, I knew every answer, like in every catechism class and all that stuff. Um, I went to Catholic school too. Uh, and I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to be a teacher. And the best of those were the priests, right? They were the ones up front and center. They got to do that cool magic trick called the transubstantiation <laughs> where Jesus goes into the little wafer and it's a very cool and the blood turns into, or the wine turns into blood. And it's like this cool thing that the priest gets to do. And maybe it was my ego that wanted it. Maybe it was the fact that I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to be as close to God as I possibly could. And it seemed like that was the path. You can't become Pope if you aren't a priest. So I wanted to be a priest. And when I learned that I couldn't just because I am a girl, not because of my lack of knowledge, not because my lack of faith, not because of my lack of being a good Catholic. Like, I mean, I was, I was a good Catholic, but it was just because of that. That was my first crack. That was the first like, huh, that feels shitty. I don't like that. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the next crack was hearing the parable of Christ being 12 and being so pissed at all the merchants that were in the church courtyard and, and turning over tables and throwing coins everywhere and just being so upset because that's not what it was about. And then on my way out of mass, passing the gift shop on the way out that had all these cool things that I couldn't afford. And it was just mm -hmm. like not... I don't know. That was the next big, like, whoa. And then all the other hypocrisies started to sort of follow suit um, as I got older and older. And I started hanging out with more people. I was lucky that I was in the arts. 
Um, and so I hung out with a lot of people, creative sort of hippie types, and I got <laughs> their perspective as well. My friend Mallory was my first friend that was like, I see you and I see your head and I see your heart and there are things that are just not mixing. They're not matching. They're, they're different. And I don't believe you when you mm. say this super like misogynistic joke that you're trying to say to get the boys to laugh and think is funny. But like, she was like, I don't believe that you believe this. I really don't. And she questioned me and kind of steered me right. Um, my friend Zach Skiles from San Francisco was the same way. And Jamie, you were, you're one of them too. That's constantly mm -hmm. sort of writing, or shall we say, lefting the course um, <laughs> from how I grew up. And I'm lucky that I've had all of you in my life to kind of Give me this perspective that I wasn't given in my upbringing. Yeah, indeed. Oh, thanks. I'm honored to be on that list. Quick question about Jesus overthrowing the tables yeah. and the vendors yeah, yeah. in the church. Was he 12 years old in that story or were you 12? He was 12 years old he in that story. He was 12 in that story. That is the oh. only, if I remember if I remember, because like my brain is like, you don't need this information anymore. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, it's one of the only stories from like infancy to 30, age 33 is mm -hmm. him at the temple at 12. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Um, great. Well, for my Be a Feminist, I will also share a childhood Jamie story. Uh, when I was, uh, I've always been a very independent minded <laughs> little girl. I mean, I'm not still a little girl, but I was as a child, very independent and very feminist, even probably before I kind of had a concept of what that concept meant. It was always very important to me that girls were just as good as boys and women could do everything that men could do and anything that smacked of inequality because of sex or gender, I was like, that is wrong and that is not how it should be. So I remember when I was in fifth grade, I'm pretty sure fifth, it was fourth or fifth grade and I could not tell you what prompted this but I remember having a debate of some sort with another female student about abortion and about the bodily autonomy of women and how uh, women should be able to have control and say over their bodies and how dare anyone tell them that they are not allowed to have an abortion. Um, it is worth noting that around this time, my favorite movie was Dirty Dancing, which hinges <laughs> on an abortion. Um, but I didn't register that. Like, I knew something bad happened and that it was important for Penny to see a doctor. I thought she got stabbed or something, and that's why she couldn't <laughs> go dance at the Mandrake or whatever the hotel was. Um but so clearly I'm arguing for this thing that I don't really understand the concept of. It's just that it was very important to me to say that women control their own bodies and their own lives. Um, and I actually looked up the fellow student that I was having this debate with. I remember we'll just call her Melissa because that's her first name. And she's a doctor now. And hopefully she is, a, you know, a good doctor. And hopefully she has, she has leaned into these ideals and is supporting her patients and her people um, um, in this way. So I like yeah. the idea of the fifth grade teacher just being like, what, what's going to happen here? Hey, man. <laughs> New York City, man. New York City public schools, they're lawless. That teacher's like, they're saying the same thing. I wonder if they'll figure it out. <laughs>
years and years later. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for spending this time with us. Check the show notes for lots of links and a transcript <laughs> of this episode. Send feedback or questions to broadlyentertaining at gmail.com. We love a listener voice memo. Ooh, yeah, send us a voice memo. <laughs> the Broadly Entertaining Podcast is written and produced by Jonna DeGesso and Jamie Rossler of Broadly Entertaining. I write and perform all of the theme music and the weird Sedway songs. And I'm also in charge of sound mixing and podcast audio editing. Though I'm very Yes, new. you are. Yes, you are. Uh, and you're doing great. I take care of the transcript and the episode's video version for YouTube. Some are better than others. <laughs> and you are also doing great. If you like what if you like what we do, uh, please rate, review, and follow us in your podcast feed, uh, and share it with a friend. Venmo a tip to broadly dash entertaining, or click the support button at Anchor.fm/broadlyentertaining. You could always find out more at broadlyentertaining.com and follow us on Instagram at broadlyentertaining. Thanks for joining us, broads, and we will talk to you again soon. <laughs>